And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It was written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. It is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. As Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, let me say to those online and to those in the sanctuary, um, I haven't been here in years. Anything new in your lives? Well, it's, it's, it's great to be here, um, especially on uh, the Sunday that we celebrate as Pentecost, the day when we believe that the Holy Spirit was sent into the life of the church, and it was a day of um, power and of glory and of miracles. There was tongues of fire, there were people understanding uh, the sermon by Peter um, in a language that wasn't their own, but, but hearing it each in his or her own language. Well, my relationship with the Holy Spirit goes back a long way. I can remember when I was in high school and I was taking catechism, and this was a class taught by my beloved Pastor Bill Beerling, very wise, learned man. He was taking us through the most difficult of topics, the Trinity, that God is three persons, but one supreme being. And he started going through them, describing what their characteristics were. And at the end of class, I'm sitting there still with this quizzical look on my face, and he said, Tom, what is it? And, and, and I said, Pastor Bill, I, I get the Father, and I get the Son, but who's the bird? This dove. Um, well, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit this morning, but... Instead of looking at the miracles, and those would be fine things, fine subjects, and, and in, instead of looking at the power, I thought that what I would like to do this morning is to take a look at the role of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' ministry. 
Because if we can know more about who the Holy Spirit was for Jesus and what he does, we can perhaps better understand what the Holy Spirit is for us. And I've even enclosed in your bulletin sort of a, a sermon outline, if you can follow this along, and we'll even put it up on the, the screen as, as I speak, um, just to help you want, remember and understand uh, the, the points that I'll be, be talking about. Well, the first, I want to read a, a, a passage, and this is where the Holy Spirit's going to show up at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry comes out of Luke 3. Here's what it says. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So, if you want to take that outline, that the very first point, the Spirit descended on Jesus like a, like a dove to announce his identity. Here we have Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Heavens open up, dove comes down, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's a beautiful statement. And it's also a statement that is made to you and I when we are baptized. Now before we were baptized, we're sinners. We know that. Jesus would refer to people who didn't know him and didn't approach God through him. He could call them sinners. They weren't redeemed yet. But once they had confessed him as their, Lord, as their Lord and Savior, once they were filled with the Holy Spirit at their baptism, things change. I learned this not in seminary. I learned it when I was a young pastor. Oh, I could stand before my congregation and I told them what sinners they were. I had that list of sins down. We read the Ten Commandments every Sunday, lest they forget how far short they're coming up. But one day, I'm in class, and I'm teaching about the fact that we are sinners, forgiven, but sinners nonetheless. When somebody who was brand new to the church, very first Sunday they had ever attended, so I didn't know their background. And as I was saying this, all of a sudden they interrupted me, and he said, Pastor, but I'm not a sinner. Well, I wish I, had it, I, wish I could have had an alarm I could have sounded. Heretic. What do you mean? You're not a sinner. Don't you still do things wrong? He goes, yes, I still do things wrong. I'm not perfect when it comes to the Ten Commandments. But he said, that's not my identity. I make mistakes. But I'm no longer a sinner. 
I said, well, what are you then? He said, I'm a beloved child of God. Here I was, teaching in the church itself, followers of Jesus. And I may not be the only one telling people who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, people who had one foot in the kingdom of God. And here I was proclaiming that they're sinners. I was corrected that day. He goes, he, and he even said this to me, he goes, Tom, you go look in your Bible. You won't find Jesus calling anybody sinners, not his followers. Maybe people who don't know him yet. And so I went home and that's what I did. And to my amazement and my chagrin, Jesus is calling us things like children of God. Or, or, or he'll, he'll call us his friends. And if you look at other passages, if you look at like the letters of Paul, we're a new creation. We're the beloved. We're part of the body of Christ. And I learned that day that one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit is to tell us who we are, what our identity is, that we are beloved, and how important that is. There's a, 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 a well-known Christian writer, and she's like a church consultant. She goes around and, and helps churches uh, how to grow. And one of the, the things that um, she says is that, that it used to be, and I would say this was true when I was growing up, that to become a Christian, you had to believe the right thing. And so I was taught my doctrine very, very well. I knew my Reformed theology. If you would have asked my parents, they would have said that when they were growing up, the focus was on behavior. You better follow those Ten Commandments. My mother, when she joined, she didn't grow up in the church. So when she met my father and then began to date and, and, and were taking seriously about getting married, she took classes and she decided to join the church. And she said when she came before all the elders to be quizzed, one of the elders asked her a common question. Do you drink, smoke, or dance, or date boys who do? And as my mom tells the story, she was honest. She goes, I do all three, or all four. Diana Butler Bass, this consultant to churches, says, we used to focus on belief, we used to focus on behavior. But what people need to hear today, if you want to present the gospel in a language that they understand, like the, the first Pentecost, then you've got to talk about them belonging. 
People are lonely. They are alienated. They are lost. And they need to know that they belong to the family of God. That they are a child of God. Sons and daughters, as Jesus was. And that they're part of the body of Christ. And that together we minister in Christ's name. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit did for Jesus. Before he had done anything else, he hadn't taught, he hadn't told a parable. He hadn't gone out and done any miracle. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, with this voice, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. We need to hear that. We know we still do wrong things, but our identity, it says here in what we were reading earlier in, in the bulletin, it, we are sealed and marked by the Holy Spirit. We're redeemed. There's one other time where that voice comes from heaven and says the same thing to Jesus. And it's about halfway through his ministry and he's getting ready He's had the high point of his ministry. It's called the transfiguration. And everything is white and as bright as can be. But Jesus is going to come down from that mountain and he's going to head towards Jerusalem where he is going to be under attack and he is going to be killed and put on the cross. But before he leaves that mountain, a voice comes again and says, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. And the voice says to the others, Listen to him. First thing. The Spirit announces his identity. If we go to the very next chapter, there we get what's already been, been read we get the temptation of Jesus by the devil. So let's go straight to the second point here. I'm not going to reread that passage. But isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is who leads Jesus into the desert for 40 days. And what does he do? He does it to renounce evil and something we're asked when i when i at my church when i ask people do you want to be baptized one of the questions i ask them is do you renounce evil and that what that's what happens here in this passage um, with the the temptations and notice what the devil does what does the devil do to knock jesus away from who he is and from his power. He says on each one of the, the temptations, he goes, if you are the son of God. If you're the son of God. If. Devil knows where to get Jesus. If I can get him away from that identity, I can weaken him so he's vulnerable. And maybe he'll take one of my temptations. Because the devil doesn't want us to know 
that we're children of God, that we are beloved just the way we are before we do anything. And it's interesting, too, that the devil wants Jesus to believe that this world isn't any good. It's rotten. And it's rotten to the core. And what we need to understand is that God made this world and he made it good. There's sin in you and me, but we're forgiven. And this is important to remember because the devil, he wants us to think otherwise. He wants us to look at your problems and he wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to give up. He wants you to look in the mirror and say, I'm no good. What's wrong with me? He wants you to have low self-esteem. He wants you to get cynical about the troubles of the world. He wants you to look at violence in our schools. He wants you to look at COVID pandemic. He wants you to look at poverty in Africa, hunger in children, the lack of jobs, tension in families, the, the racial issues that we have in our country. The devil wants us to look at conflicts and churches and to give up and he wants you to think he's more powerful than God because when you give up on the goodness of life and when you give up on hope when you give into cynicism he's got you where he wants you if you want to win in life the devil's saying you got to play the game my way the devil says you got to kill to survive you got to lie to get by. You got to go along in order to get along. So just bow down, he's saying to Jesus, and admit that this vile, vicious world belongs to me, and then I'll give it to you. But Jesus, knowing that he is the Son of God, and the power of the Spirit says, oh no, you can't give it to me. Because it's not yours to give. You're not in charge here. You don't own this place, he's saying. You did not make this world or save any souls or build any church. You did not help anyone or do any good thing. And he says, I am the Son of God and this is my Father's world. And so the devil goes on. And then Jesus comes back and denounces him and says negative forces are not in charge of this universe. Evil will not prevail. Wrong cannot win. Sin will not triumph. Death, death will not dominate because I am the Son of God and this is my Father's world. So Jesus, led by the Spirit, renounces evil and then finally want to put up there and this is right after the temptation and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So let's go to the third point. The Spirit was on Jesus as he read that scroll in the synagogue to pronounce the good things coming. In other words, with Jesus here, with Satan bound, now God's going to do his good work. And so follow him and have faith. There was a, a missionary named Vincent Donovan. He was Roman Catholic, and he was sent to East Africa. I think this was back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. And after all these decades of ministering there, he wrote to his bishop. And he said, Bishop, this just isn't working. I want you to know, in 100 years, 100 years, not one person has come to the Lord and gone back to his village or her village a Christian. He goes, I've spent time, you know, operating these schools and trying to open new schools. Schools are good. And he said, I've been working with administrators and doctors and nurses at, at missionary hospitals, and that's a good thing. Because the reality is, no one's being saved. Not one. And so he said to this bishop in the letter, he said, I'm ready to give up and return to the States, but before I do, I think I'm just going to go to the villages. And this is among the Maasai tribes. I'm going to go among the villagers. And in a simple way that they can understand, I'm going to just tell them the gospel truth. And so we went to the, the first chief, this tribe. And he said, I'm here not to open more schools or, or open more hospitals. Nothing wrong with that. But I really came here to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And he resurrected to new life. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father for you. So that you might know that you're children of God. And the chief looked back at Vincent Donovan, this Catholic priest, and said, What took you so long to tell me? And he went to the next village and the next village and the next village. And before you know it, there's a revival 
in East Africa. I've been to East Africa. Many in our presbytery have been. And when you go, you're astounded at the moving of the Holy Spirit. I think it started decades ago at 1.5 million. When I was there, it's over 4 million. And Vincent Donovan, when he gets back, it said, well, what did you do? And he said, I just told them who Jesus was for them in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that they would know who they are. They would know what to renounce. And that they knew that good things were coming. So what was true at Pentecost, what was true for Jesus and his ministry, what was true in East Africa for Vincent Donovan, may that be true for Community Presbyterian Church in La Mirada. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm -hmm.